Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Rishi Desai, and today on Raise the Line, I'm happy to be joined by Brandon Perthuse, Chief Commercial Officer for Fulgent Genetics. Just a few weeks ago, the FDA granted Emergency Use Authorization, an EUA, for Fulgent's at-home COVID-19 test. They're also rolling out an antibody test, so we have a lot to talk about. Thank you so much, Brandon, for joining us today. Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to your current role at Fulgent? Yeah, certainly. Uh, first, I appreciate you having me today. It's a privilege to be on your program here. So my career essentially has been uh, all genetics. Starting in 2003, I entered in the field of genetics, spent about 11 years uh, in academia, the Baylor College of Medicine, all in genetics, uh, mostly on the commercial side. So, you know, certainly not an expert in infectious disease like you are, so take it a little bit easy on me today. But, you know, we were thrusted into this pandemic early on. Uh, you know, we wanted to, you know, get more involved in testing and so we find myself here at Fulgent now. I've been here about three and a half years. It's historically um, focused on rare disease, pediatric genetics. I'm the chief commercial officer of the company, as you mentioned. So it's been uh, an interesting run in genetics. I think I've been sort of, uh, you know, really hit a lot of different waves in genetics. Starting 2003 was an you know, incredible time in human genetics, starting with, you know, launching microarrays for rare disease and mitochondrial diagnostics. And of course, that was the era of sequencing the whole human genome which a lot of it was done at Baylor when I was there and uh, launching a clinical exome sequencing. So it's been a bit of a lucky ride to see, you know, all these different milestones in medicine and be a part of launching testing for those. Like I said, most of my career has been on the, on the commercial side. But now, like I said today, you know, hopefully we'll spend a little more time talking about, you know, what Fulgen's doing for, for COVID-19 testing and a little bit about what's going on in the, in the community today. So that's, that's perfect. Just tell me a little bit about Fulgent's uh, test product for COVID-19 and specifically what sets it apart from kind of what's out there from other genetic testing companies? Fulgent actually at this point has a, a suite of testing, right? So I mentioned we got started very early on. We started developing testing in January. Uh, at this point, we have three products and recently actually just launched a, a fourth product. Uh, we have two of those products that are FDA approved through their EUA process. So our, our first test that we got approved is an RT-PCR test that's administered by physicians. So that test is FDA approved and uh, really represents the bulk of the testing that we're doing today. Second approval, which I'm you know, hopefully we'll get to in more detail, is our at-home testing. I think we're one of only maybe three or so companies that truly have an end-to-end -end product for at-home testing, and that's going to be delivered through our pitcher genetics uh, platform. In addition, we have a next-generation sequencing product for COVID-19 testing, uh, which has been used mostly on the research side, drug development side, biotech side, for people that want to sequence the genome of the virus that causes COVID-19. Then our fourth product uh, we recently just launched, which is the antibody testing. So it's been, like I said, quite a crazy time at Fulgent, getting these tests up and running at Mach 3 speed. Uh, we like to kind of joke that we're building the plane in the air. It certainly feels that way. But uh, you know, I really look forward to getting more, some more details on, on what we've done, and that's kind of where we're at today. I think everyone's building the plane in the air right now, yeah. so you're not alone. Uh, so I'm curious, you know, for the second product, the one around PCR testing that's at home, is that something mm -hmm. that a, a person in the community can just go out and buy? Yes, essentially that is correct. The only people that wouldn't qualify uh, for that test are those that are, you know, really critically ill, right? So as part of the, the picture genetics process for COVID-19, you go to our website and you want to go to the website, it's public you take a quick questionnaire and one of those questions, you know, are you acutely ill, right? In, in that case, we want people to go see an urgent care clinic, go to the emergency room, you know, go see your physician. If you're not critically ill, essentially, yes, anyone does qualify for the testing. So you answer a few questions, 
You walk through a pretty simple telemedicine consult, which is an important part of it. You complete your, your purchasing process, and then essentially two days later, a kit will show up at your front door. You know, I, I've spent a lot of time talking to friends and family and colleagues about testing, and it's been a you know crazy few months you know, when it comes to testing and the changes. And I often hear about, oh man, I have to put that swab so far into my nose, and it's miserable, and it's painful, and feels like I'm touching the back of my brain. And, and that's not the case with our at-home test, and actually most of our testing. I mean, we were really fortunate that the CDC and Fulgent and others were able to validate what they're calling now the mid-turbinate nasal swab, which is sort of just barely go in your nostril around one inch, you know, swab each side, put that into a tube. So this mid-turbinate collection is comfortable, it's easy, you can do it to yourself. And really that's what opened up our ability to do testing at home. You couldn't do it when we had to do the sort of the nasal pharyngeal swab, which really needed, you know, a medical professional to administer that. So once the purchase process is complete, kit shows up two days later, you swab yourself, drop it into the tube, put it in our nice prepackaged, pre-labeled box, go to your local FedEx or FedEx Dropbox, drop it in the mail. It shows up at Fulgent essentially 24 hours later. So it's two day air to get the kit to the home, one day back. Uh, takes us about 24 to 48 hours to process the sample, which I really want to spend some time on that, which I think is critical and really great that our, our company's been able to do that. But 24 to 48 hours later, those results are available online, patient gets an email, and we'll get their results, which at this point, you know, it's detected, not detected or inconclusive, right? We do see something conclusive, which is where only, you know, one of the markers for the virus is positive instead of two. So I'm curious, you know, uh, it's two days to get it and then another one or two days to get the results. So that's like roughly three or four days. Is there any way that that could be contracted down? Or is there, are there any parts of that that could be squeezed even tighter? The short answer is yes. For example, we could do one day shipping outbound. But we're balancing turnaround time with cost, right? We want to make this test affordable to patients. And frankly, shipping is a, a large part of the cost. So two-day shipping is a lot cheaper than overnight priority. But maybe we could offer that as an option. There may be people that absolutely need more rapid turnaround time. We're running the scenarios where people, you know, they need a negative COVID result for a flight uh, to go back to work and a number of different scenarios. So there could be some scenarios where a more rapid delivery is, is worth it for people, right? So we could do that. Uh, right now, we really want to keep the price as low as we can. Uh, we really want to see people to be able to afford the test and really uh, drive adoption. And you know, the convenience factor is huge. I mean, we've all seen, even just this morning, right, the waiting lines at these drive-through facilities, the walk-up facilities, and that's no knock to the people running those drive-through facilities, right? You physically can only put so many cars in line. You can only physically swab so many people. I think they're doing an amazing job. They truly are. But there's a physical limitation to that. So if we can get people to take the test at their home, the convenience factor is huge. And also, they don't have to experience exposure to themselves or expose other people. I mean, they can do it in the privacy of their own home. You can serve PPE from the medical professionals. They don't have to do the swab. So I think there's a lot of advantages uh, for doing the test at home. That makes sense. And then talk to me about sensitivity, which, you know, for those listening, just to recap, you know, if you have 100 people that definitely have COVID, let's say somehow you magically know they have COVID, how many of those folks would get captured or get identified using that turbinate swab that mm -hmm. you just described? Right. So that's a good question. It's like 99%, right, sensitivity for the RT-PCR test. And that's another topic either for this session or the next, we can get into the different types of testing because there's a lot of confusion out there. 
uh, we do RT-PCR, right? That's sort of the gold standard. That's the most sensitive test. That's what, you know, most people are having run. But then you get into antigen testing and rapid testing and other things, which much lower sensitivity. And whether it's at home, whether it's at a clinic, at a drive-through, our test is the same across all platforms. So we're not doing a different test for the different types of collection. It's the exact same laboratory process. And from what we've seen, from what's been published, CDC and others, the sensitivity versus the nasopharyngeal swab versus the mid-turbinate swab is almost identical. And then, of course, you know, you know, across the country, testing is coming back up as an issue, especially mm-hmm. as we're trying to figure out uh, how to get a handle on the increased number of cases. Let's say that you know, we were to wave a magic wand and everybody mm-hmm. could afford the test right now. Mm-hmm. What's the maximum capacity? I mean, could we do a million a day just through Fulgent or... You know, I'm just trying to yeah. put my head around, you know, what, what, uh, what could be offered and what are the limitations really on that? Yeah, that's a good question. Short answer is no, I can't do a million a day through Fulgent. Um, but, you know, collectively, it's been an impressive response, not just from Fulgent, from all the laboratories, not just the laboratories, right, from other vendors, suppliers, organizations. They've really pivoted quickly to address the testing needs, right? So, sure, there is a shortage. We hear that. We know that. But, you know, collectively, the medical field, the industry has responded well and pivoted on a dime really to, to launch this. As I mentioned, we've never did this before, right? This was brand new for us. So to answer your question directly, uh, we currently have capacity for around 20,000 a day, right? That's what the labs can physically do. Now, we're scaling that as fast as we can. And we think by sometime in August, mid end of August, that could be 40,000 per day. That has not been trivial. And I cannot applaud uh, the Fulgent staff enough, the leadership, the staff, the personnel on the on the, the job they've done. Um, before this pandemic, before this crisis, Fulgent was a genetic testing lab operating Monday through Friday, nine to five, right? That was who we were. Today, we're running 24 hours a day, three shifts a day. We've hired hundreds of new people, seven days a week. We've had to build warehouses to hold inventory. We've had to put mobile offices in the parking lot to hold the new staff to do the accessioning. We've had to build new inventory control systems. Can you imagine managing the supply chain for the kits and everything to do 40,000 tests a day? So it's been an amazing overhaul of the organization. And, you know, we've been very successful um, with our partners in in our testing. And I think uh, a big reason for that has been our turnaround time. Certainly the quality is there, but a lot of the PCR tests are similar. It's the CDC approved kits and FDA approved product. They're quite similar, but getting test results out in 24 hours is tough. It really is, right? And we've seen in the news the delays and some horror stories of seven to 10 days. But usually, you know, we see an average turnaround time in the industry around three days, four days. Around 90% of our results are delivered within 24 hours. The other 10%, about 48 hours. So to do all of this has just been an amazing overhaul. And uh, I think the company's done a really good job. And honestly, we're, we're proud, we're honored to be a, you know, play a small part in this really. But really, you know, the, the attitude around the office is not one of uh, any complaining, right? That where we're working all these extra hours and we're having to work this third shift that's 2 a.m. to 8 a.m. It's, it's really an amazing response from the team. And they feel privileged to just play a small role. And we see all the patients we're helping. We're helping thousands of patients a day. And it is rewarding. We're really happy to be a part of it. There's a quote I heard recently about how when the house is on fire, you don't throw the bucket of water on the neighbor's house. You throw it on the house that's on fire because that's where it's most needed. Right now, we've got a few states that are literally on fire, you know, Florida, mm-hmm. Texas, Arizona. Are those states reaching out to Fulgent or, or are they reaching out to get you know, help to get more testing specifically from, from groups, groups like you? So short answer, yes, but we don't think 
enough, right? Uh, just being honest, Fulton is a relatively small company, right? We're not as well known as the big reference laboratories. So I think when a lot of people think testing, they think of the big reference laboratories that we all know, and not a lot of people know to reach out to Fulton. We do have states that reach out. Certainly Texas has been a high volume area for us and LA, which is our laboratory is located in LA. I mean, those have been, you know, high volume areas for us, but the company does have capacity and we really look forward to sort of getting the word out that, you know, we have the capacity, we have the turnaround time. I don't want to bore you too much with everything else, but we've built end-to-end solutions to manage drive-throughs. So we now have a system that a, a patient can go to our website, schedule an appointment at a drive-through. We manage the entire booking process, the billing process, the reporting process. So now we can really help these drive-throughs become more efficient. We have a full solution for end-to-end uh, big employer testing that want to routine test employees. We've done a lot. So we're responding as rapidly as we can to these testing needs and the turnaround time, our ability to interface, our inventory. I mean, I think last I checked, it was something like 700,000 or maybe more kits in inventory. So back to the original question, uh, they do reach out. We hope more people reach out in the future. Thank you. Uh, you know, one, one other thing you mentioned at the top I want to go back to now is the antibody testing. And I know that that's mm-hmm. the one, it sounds like one of the newest products you've launched. Can you just walk me through how you recommend people think about antibody testing? Who should get tested? I know that the CDC has reported, you know, nationally, it seems about 6% of folks have had COVID. So just mm-hmm. walk me through who you think should be reaching out to, to Fulgen to get that kit. You know, um, that's a great question. And I'm probably not the best answer, to be honest with you. I think there's still a lot of questions on what is the best use of antibody testing. We get asked for it all the time, right? We see that there is a value and there is a need, but I still think the jury's a little bit out on how best to use it. I still think there's some questions around how long the antibodies are staying in, in the body. You know, what does it mean for reinfection rates? So I think some of those questions tend, tend to be answered. So I think I'll, I'll leave that to the professional to come up with the best protocol on how to use it. We'll do our best job to deliver the test. That makes a lot of sense. Brendan, you also said that Fulgent is, you know, wasn't doing this initially, but you kind of quickly got into the fight and, and are, are obviously valiant warriors helping us figure this out together. I'm curious to know, what do you think are going forward kind of the, the things around the corner that, that aren't being talked about today by the mainstream media, but because of where you're at, you kind of see the issue arising already. I think the demand for testing is just going to continue to go up and it's not going to, to go away anytime soon. You know, I think we all are predicting the fall to be, you know, the flu season, right? And my guess is there's going to be a need to test for multiple viruses in the, in the future. Maybe we test for flu and, and COVID-19 in the future. So I think, you know, um, There's a lot of talk about testing, restricted access to testing, but the need for testing is going to continue to grow. So I think maybe what they're not talking about as much is the back to work programs. And perhaps that's because a lot of these big employers, some of the biggest employers in the United States we've spoken with, they're still trying to figure it out themselves, right? They know we need to do it. Uh, but how do you administer it? How do you actually make use of it? So I think, you know, the, the continued expansion uh, of testing, continued more detailed back-to-work programs, I think it's just going to continue to grow. And uh, hopefully, you know, everyone can continue to do their part to scale to meet those needs. You know, another thing I, I'd love to get your opinion on is, you know, the healthcare system in general has been mm-hmm. um, fractured for many years, but COVID has really exploited that. From your standpoint, what do you think are some things that we can do now to kind of strengthen that system based on this crisis? I think this 
pandemic is so unprecedented that, um, you know, it's really hard to say, well, this is what we should have done. This is what we could do. It's what we need to do. And again, I, I think the response has been powerful. Is it perfect? No, of course not. But it's been, it's been good. It's been powerful. I mean, we've seen multiple industries band together to build ventilators, to build masks, to do the testing. You know, the FDA, I mean, for example, I mean, I cannot imagine how busy they've been, right? I mean, and they continue to churn out approval. They continue to, to make sure the tests are of high quality. So I think everyone has really, you know, done a, a pretty good job in on this. Again, I'm on the testing side, right? So I'm sort of specifically thinking about the testing side. Certainly there's challenges as it relates to, you know, hospital beds and ICUs being stretched. But, you know, I look at the effort that's been put forth and, uh, you know, I think it's been pretty strong. With the FDA doing EUAs, I mean, as, as you know, there is, of course, a concern that maybe some of the things that they're approving may not be as effective because they just simply haven't had the time to really do the, the, the full due diligence and vetting mm-hmm. um, in an emergency situation like we have now. Right. What is your, what is your um, stance when people say, well, how do I know this really works when the FDA didn't have the full amount of time to vet it? Right. Uh, I can talk to that quite detailed. I was very involved in our EUA process. And I think that's a misconception. I really do. The amount of detail that the FDA put into our process, the number of questions, the number of back and forth, the phone calls, uh, the stability studies, the usability studies, I I think they're doing a a really good job. I don't think there's anything rushed. I wish I I could sit here and say that, oh, it was an easy process. We just had to send in a piece of paper and you know, a few days later, we got our FDA approval. Couldn't be further from the truth. They really, really vetted the test and especially the at-home test. And I think that's why you see that Fulgen is one of only three companies or so that have a true end-to-end solution for at-home testing. Some people have pieces of the puzzle, like maybe they have a, a test or maybe they have a kit or a process. Um, but the FDA has taken that very seriously. And uh, that process took us you know, many, many weeks and tons of man hours. I mean, these submissions that we've had to turn into FDA have been very detailed, very thick packets. So, I mean, I think uh, they've done a great job. And uh, I think if they're issuing EUAs, they've done a good job vetting that test. Brendan, you know, a lot of our audience is going to be students, uh, future healthcare professionals, future geneticists, maybe that want to start a company like, like you know, what you're doing. Uh, I'd love to get your advice as they're sort of exiting and emerging from schools and graduating and mm-hmm. kind of entering the workforce. Uh, sure. You know, during this pandemic, we, we've hired like literally, you know, hundreds of people, right? A lot of young professionals. And it's been a wonderful experience for them to be a part of fighting this pandemic. And I think they feel rewarded uh, to be able to give back to the community, to give back uh, to patients and, and play an active role here. But in terms of, you know, just genetics and this field in, in general, and what more exciting field is there, right? I mean, we've been talking about it for decades about, you know, personalized medicine, personalized healthcare, right? What empowers that? Your genetics, your genes, genomics. And we're just beginning to really unlock all of that. Even though we sequenced the genome a long time ago, it wasn't affordable for a very long time. We didn't have enough knowledge of the genome to really unlock it. But now you're seeing with cancer treatments, personalized therapies, companion diagnostics, I think the idea of personalized healthcare, personalized medicine powered by genomics and genetics is an incredibly powerful field. We're also making genetics more accessible to patients now through direct-to-consumer products like Picture Genetics. You can order your own genetic test. You can have telemedicine. You can take more control of your health. So I think it's been an incredible field for the last decade to see it expand, to see its use 
um, really explode. For so long, genetics was a diagnostic test giving you just an answer, but now we're seeing it applied to healthcare and treatments and prognosis and therapies. And, you know, I think for the next well, foreseeable future, one of the most powerful tools in medicine is going to be genomics. Right, and I, uh, I know that a lot of our listeners agree with me when I say that right now in this battle with COVID-19, testing is at the forefront of what we have to get our hands around. You're doing that, so I want to thank you for your work, your entire team's work. I know it's not just one person, uh, and there are a lot of people I know uh, at Fulgent that are working day and night, as you mentioned, and for, for joining us and sharing your wisdom with us today. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me, and I uh, look forward to doing it again someday. I'm Rishi Desai. Thanks for checking out today's show. Remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.